As we've been doing for the past uh, few weeks, we want to take just a, a few moments here in our service and, and, and pray uh, around the, the, the focus that is coming up beginning next Sunday morning, our One Cry uh, uh, Spiritual Awakening Conference, uh, Revival Conference. Very excited about this opportunity. We've been uh, working toward it for uh, over a year and uh, just uh, anticipating what it is that God is purposing to do. And again, just encourage you next Sunday morning, kind of regular schedule. Uh, will be the kickoff for the conference, then Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night, some focused time of, of worship, of teaching, of seeking God together. And I just, again, want to ask you to prioritize that, continue to saturate that in prayer as we just ask God to do a, do a mighty work within us. And as you, you think about our nation, you think about our world, uh, how desperately we need a movement of God. And, and it's going to happen as, as God's people uh, cry out to him. And so we've been asking you to pray. I'll go ahead and mention to you again the, uh, the uh, Seeking God for the City prayer guide. We just started using this this week. If you haven't picked up a copy, they're still in the lobby. It's uh, no cost to you. We just want you to get that. Join with uh, thousands of other Christians across the country uh, that are praying, and we're just using that as a prayer catalyst for our conference, uh, but also uh, leading up uh, to Palm Sunday and Easter as well. So we're going to take just a few moments to pray. And I'm just going to ask you just to join me, allow me to give voice uh, to that prayer. And as we think about Valentine's Day, as we think about love, as we think about family, we think about our nation, we think about this One Cry Conference, uh, there's so much for us to pray around and toward. So let's go to the Lord together in prayer. Would you join me, please? Father, we come on this day and are just amazed by your love, your love for us that is beyond belief a love that quite honestly we could never earn or deserve and yet when we deserved it the least and yet needed it the most you chose to love us you loved us with a redeeming love a restoring love a love that gives hope a love that empowers a love that transforms and Father, we just come and we're just in all of that today, and we thank you and praise you for that. Even a love that enables us to come before you, to, to pour out our hearts, a, a love that, that knows us better than we know ourselves, and yet, and yet still chooses to love us, still chooses to see uh, the, the best that you have uh, put within us. Father, we thank you for the gift of uh, marriage and families, and Father, we do pray your, your hand of anointing upon uh, families of all shapes and all sizes, and Father, we just ask that, that our families would be reflective of the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus. And Father, in your love, you, you, you stir us. In your love, you call us deeper. In your, in your love, you continue to, 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 to restore us to yourself when we drift. And Father, we just are asking in this One Cry Conference, Father, for just a mighty movement of, you, of your hand. Father, how we need you to restore, how we need you to revive, and how we need you to, to just launch forth spiritual awakening in our land. And Father, we, we come before you, and even as our, our prayer guide in this week's worship folder tells the story of Gypsy Smith, Father, we just we draw that circle around ourselves, and we, we just ask, Father, that you would begin a revival right there. Father, would you just, would you just help to protect these days beginning next Sunday morning? 
Would you again, Father, as we've been asking, just, just give fresh, fresh anointing and fresh wind and encouragement to this team as they come. Use them in the lives of our children, our preschoolers. Use them in the lives of students. Use them in the lives of, of every, every adult, Father. Stir something great and mighty in us, Lord. We, we just pray that at the end of these days we could just look back with amazement at what God has done, that we would not be the same because we have laid our lives before you. Father, just stir something deep, deep within us, how we need you. Father, thank you for what you are doing, what you are continuing to do. Father, I just thank you that you are the one who has begun a good work in us in Christ Jesus and will carry it through to completion. And it is in that hope that we pray today in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for joining in that. And please just continue to make that a matter of prayer. Maybe that God may use it to stir his love in our hearts, to spread his love to others that need to be touched by the love of Jesus Christ. Well, you know, I am thinking about this day and Valentine's and all that's involved. And I came across a, a story of a little fellow that he was, had to do kind of a composition, a little report on Benjamin Franklin. And quite honestly, he hadn't really done his homework very well. And so he started to kind of ad lib a little bit on his report as he was writing it. And, and this was kind of the gist of his uh, report that day. He, he says, Benjamin Franklin was a poor boy. He went to Philadelphia to live. He didn't have many clothes. One day he walked down the street and saw a pretty girl. She smiled at him and he smiled at her. Before long, they were married and they discovered electricity. <laughs> well, there you go, right? <laughs> I don't know if that's exactly how it happened with men or not, but, uh, but when we think about love, sometimes, particularly around something like Valentine's Day, we think about electricity, right? We think about magic moments. We think about big moments and, and things that get uh, reposted and, and lots of likes and lots of views on social media and all those things. And, and electricity and those special moments and those big moments, that, that's a fun part of love. But love that sustains, love that endures, love that impacts day after day, month after month, year after year, is not love that's just based on the big things. But it's actually love that focuses on some of the little things. And as I think about little things, I'm always reminded of, of kind of one of my uh, childhood heroes. I've always been a college basketball fan, and, and when I was younger, the dominant, dominant program by far uh, in, in the country were the UCLA Bruins. Uh, John Wooden was the legendary coach, the Wizard of Westwood, and, and the more that I read about him through the years, and uh, he's long since been, been retired, but the more I've discovered about him and the impact that he had on people's lives, the more and more impressed I, I have been with the man. Uh, but one of the things that I uh, learned from Coach Wooden is that, that little things really do matter. Uh, so much so that, that it was kind of legendary how he started off every season. Every season he would gather his team together. Even after they're winning national championship after national championship, he's, he's gathering his team together. These guys that have been playing basketball, some of them all their lives, some of them have been on his team now for several years. And one of the first things he does is he gathers them for the first practice of the season. Coach Wooden demonstrates for them how to put their socks on. I'm serious. Every year he would do this. 
He would demonstrate, this is how you put the sock on. This is how you smooth it out. This is how you make sure there are no wrinkles or folds in it. And when you think, boy, is this guy like manic? I mean, hey, what is up with that? Wooden's philosophy was simply this. If you don't have those on well, if there's wrinkles or anything in that sock, it creates a blister. And when you have a blister, you can't practice well, you can't play well, you can't perform well. It seems like a little, little thing how you put your sock on, but it can make a big, big difference. And when it comes to the relationships of our life, whether that's a marriage relationship, a parent-child relationship, whether that's a friendship, whether that's a work relationship or social circles you, you travel in, it's not just the big things that matter. It's the little things that often matter. In fact, as we find in the Song of Solomon's, that encouragement, catch, uh, for, uh, catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in blossom. That it's these little things that maybe you don't think are that big a deal that can end up ruining everything. And so to pay attention to the little things. And so what I wanted us to do uh, this morning on a Valentine Sunday morning was just to spend a few moments thinking about some little things. Little things that can make a big difference in the relationships of our life. When you think about love, you think about Scripture, many of us are drawn to 1 Corinthians 13. If you've been to a lot of weddings, you probably have heard 1 Corinthians 13 as a part of that wedding ceremony. And, and for good reason. It just has wonderful descriptors of love. I just want to read a few verses from there. But for the sake of our focus this morning, we're actually just going to focus on one verse, verse 5. But let me go ahead and read verse 4 and following. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. <coughs> Excuse me. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Now, there are so much in, in, in all those verses, so for the sake of our time, we're just going to hone in on verse 5. And in verse 5, we, we find four things, four things about love, four little things that make a huge, huge difference. And we're going to think about them this way. The first is simply this, love is courteous. Love is courteous. So as you open there, it says, love is not rude. It is not rude. Courteous is, is courtly. The, the imagery there is of how you would behave in the, in the court of the king. And isn't it true sometimes we're more courteous to a stranger than we are to those that we really value and love? Sometimes we're more courteous to, to a, a formal work relationship. We treat people uh, in some of those settings with more courtesy than we do the people that we say we value and love the most. And I don't know if because the, 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 we just feel comfortable around our folks we love the most or we just drop our guard or, or whatever it may be, but love is courteous. Love isn't rude. Selfishness is rude. 
Well, when I am rude, I am, I am acting not out of love, I'm acting out of selfishness. And it's, it's, it's amazing and, and honestly a little troubling to me. Just to, I, I, My perception is the rudeness meter continues to rise in our culture. I mean, whether it's, it's from the comments on, uh, on the section off the, on, online or, or whether it's over the airways or personally or what somebody posts or on social media or whatever it is, it seems like there's just an increasing level of rudeness and crudeness in our world. And that comes from a heart of selfishness. Selfishness is rude, but love is sensitive. Love pauses to think about how is this action going to impact somebody else? How is this word going to be heard by somebody else? Uh, Love says, how can I be courteous in this? How can I act in a way that is not rude? And courtesy always shows up in our actions and in our speech. It's not just in our, in our thinking that I, I want to be courteous, I want to be nice, I want to be kind, but, but, but how, do, how am I acting toward that person? What is my speech toward that person? And it doesn't really get any more simple than the golden rule, right? To do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That, that's kind of the, the foundation for courtesy. How would you have someone speak towards you? How would you prefer they speak towards you? How would you prefer they act toward you? That can be kind of the jumping off point. That's how I need to choose to relate to them. That's how I need to choose to speak to them. That's how I need to choose how I'm going to relate to them. I'm going to think not just about my agenda, but I'm going to think about how is this impacting them? Is there a way that I can say this? Is there a way that I can act in a way that is not rude, but is courteous? Love is courteous, but also we find in this verse that love isn't pushy. Love isn't pushy. It does not insist on its own way. There's a world full of folks insisting on their way, uh, their rights, their privileges. They want what they want when they want it. But Jesus really taught us a whole other way to live and relate, didn't he? Jesus talked about laying down our rights and taking up our responsibilities. That in love, I am willing to set aside my agenda to serve somebody else. I am willing to to not always focus on my rights, my grievances, but what is my responsibility? What is my responsibility in this relationship? What is my responsibility toward this person that I care about? Jesus talked about the high value of being a servant. For even the Son of Man, Jesus taught, came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And he demonstrated that so powerfully. And just a few hours before he was to be crucified, he was just hours away from being arrested and beaten and going through this mockery of trials that would end up in his crucifixion. And what does Jesus do? 
In a time when, when it would have been right for him to have been focused on himself. When here is the King of kings and Lord of lords that if anybody could have demanded justly their rights, it would have been Jesus. But what does this king do? What does this one who has all power do? What does the most powerful man in the room do? He sets aside his outer garment. He takes up a towel, ties it around his waist. He pours water into a basin, and he begins to serve. He begins to wash his disciples' feet. He didn't have to do that. There was a room full of other folks that should have done that. But he laid aside his rights so that he could serve. He washed their feet from the same heart that would send him to the cross, a heart of love. He didn't deserve the cross, but he took up the cross, not to get his own way, but to to love, to make a way for you and for me. When you think about the the relationships of your life, we, we start to come and we can use 1 Corinthians 13 as almost a, a, almost a, a gauge in our life. How's my courtesy quotient? Am I relating to others with courtesy? Is my, is my speech or my actions that which is, is, is sensitive, is, takes into account the other person? Am I continually pushing my own agenda? Am I continually demanding my rights or in these significant relationships in my life, am I willing to take up the towel in the basin? How have you served those who you love in recent days? Love is courteous. Love isn't pushy. But thirdly, this one verse reminds us that love keeps its cool. Love learns how to keep its cool. It talks about that it is not irritable. It is not irritable. And irritable people are are challenging to be around, right? It it can be a challenge to be around somebody that's irritable. I heard one uh, wife was talking to some of her friends, and she was talking about her husband. She said, said, well, I got to tell you, uh, my my husband is incredibly even-tempered. I mean, he is angry all the time, right? But but it doesn't go back and forth. I mean, it's even-tempered. He is angry all the time. And it's, that's a challenge to relate to somebody like that. Somebody that's irritable. Somebody that gets angry. Somebody that seems like they have that, that, that anger just below the surface all the time. And, and you find yourself just eggshells, right? Love keeps its cool. When God moves in our life when we allow the the fullness of the holy spirit to prevail we have this empowerment the the power of love enables you and i to respond rather than react and retaliate to respond to, to respond to those irritants to respond to those challenges to respond to those problems instead of just uh, reacting and and, and retaliating and somehow i'm going to get even or not only am i going to get even but i'm, I'm going to figure out a way to get ahead love says how can i respond how can i respond in a way 
that is best, that is the best for the situation, that is the best for this person. How do I respond? Now, please hear me. That doesn't mean you don't get angry. In fact, is very often when we care deeply, when we love, we will get angry. Love does not mean we never get angry. It means that we handle our anger in an appropriate way. Paul writing to the Ephesians says, be angry. Be angry. There are some things, even from a heart of love, you will get angry. You'll get angry when people are hurt and wounded. You'll get angry when, when, when the name of God is dishonored. There are things, if you love, if you care about people, if you care about values and things, there are things that you will get angry about. Be angry and do not sin. And do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. In your anger, don't sin. Deal with it in an appropriate, timely fashion. But just be aware that mishandled anger, reaction and retaliation are a platform for the enemy. And the enemy delights in getting a foothold right there. I am convinced that mishandled anger is one of his chief weapons he uses to tear apart relationships, to tear down families, to tear apart workplaces and social circles and churches because we don't handle our anger well. We react, retaliate instead of responding. One author put it this way. He said, you know, when we, when we're, we get angry, when we're, we're dealing with, with difficult situations and circumstances, uh, all of us tend to kind of one extreme or the other. Now, this writer put it, we either go towards silence or violence. Right? It's kind of, the, kind of the, the, the grid, if you will. Silence or violence. And, and when I say keep your cool, that doesn't mean silence, right? Some of us go silent, and then we give, we're going to give you the cold shoulder. We're going to shut down. We're going to teach you, right? Some of us maybe tend more toward the other extreme. We, we explode. Now, sometimes we can rationalize it. Well, I'll just get it all out there, and then it's, it's, it's over with, you know, not knowing that we've just, like, left shrapnel all over in everybody else's life, right? And maybe as you think about your natural tendencies— because of your personality, because of the family you grew up in, because of some experiences you've had in life along the way, it would serve you well to know when I'm under pressure, when it's, there's a difficult circumstance or situation, when, when I get angry, when, how do I tend to relate? In some of the significant relationships of my life, how do I tend to relate? Do I tend to default towards silence or violence? God wants us to be able to respond, to respond in love. And, and there's, you know, we can talk so much more than, than time allows this morning. But the, but the challenge is to say, in the significant areas of my life, how am I responding? How am I handling my anger? Am I doing it in a way that heals, in a way that solves problems, in a way that, 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 that builds up, or in a way that ends up tearing down and tearing apart? Love keeps its cool. Love keeps its cool. Fourth one we'll look at, and that is simply that love doesn't keep score. Love doesn't keep score. It's not only not irritable, but it's also not 
resentful. It's not resentful. All right, we picked on husbands just a minute ago. Let's, let's, let, let's flip the table so we'll be equal opportunity offenders here, all right? Uh, well, you've heard the old story of the husband who, who, who was explaining one time. He said, he said, listen, every time my wife gets upset, she gets historical. And his buddy said, you mean hysterical? He said, no, 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 I mean historical. I mean, she pulls out everything I have ever said or done wrong all the days we have been together. And she whips them out time and time and time and time and time again. She keeps rolling them out. Love doesn't keep score. Love doesn't harbor resentment. Love doesn't nurture bitterness or unforgiveness. See, an unforgiving spirit is a poison. It really is. It's a poison. And, and the goofy thing is it's, it's like a poison that I drink, and then I sit around and wait for you to drop dead, right? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Poison of unforgiveness doesn't end up hurting the person you intended to hurt. It actually ends up destroying you. Yes, it may blow up the relationship. And actually, it not only affects that relationship, but you carry that poison with you into other relationships in your life. Unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment is a poison. It's a poison that we carry around with us into the other relationships of our life. When we come to this, when we come and think about love, we think about the love that God has for us. And when you think about that, let's just, let's just sit with this question for just a moment. How many sins, how many sins have you committed that God has not forgiven? Yeah. Zero. Aren't you glad that God doesn't pull them all out every time? Aren't you glad that he doesn't recount those? Aren't you glad that he doesn't keep score? And that is the, the model, and that is the empowerment for forgiving someone else. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive now, please hear me. We, again, this is, this is a subject we've gone much deeper in in some teaching times. We've, we've done some series on forgiveness, and, and it might be worth you going back and, and finding and, and listening to again. But please, please hear clearly. When we're talking about, about forgiveness, we're talking about what's going on inside of you first and foremost, the condition of your heart, the posture of your life. So that I, that I knowing how much I have been forgiven... God, I'm going to refuse to harbor this. I'm going to refuse to carry this around. I'm going to refuse to let this infect all the other relationships of my life. God, I'm going to release this hurt. I'm going to release this pain. I'm going to release it to you. Now, that does not automatically mean that the relationship will be fully restored. We've taught the principle here for a number of years now. Forgiveness depends upon me. Reconciliation depends upon we. That, that there has to be both ends. That in order for me to even experience, personally, God's forgiveness, 
Not only has God already made provision for my forgiveness, but I have to respond to that. I have to respond in repentance and in faith and in trusting him. And in much the same way, I, I have to move in my life to be able to ready to forgive. But it's going to take both of us to heal those broken spots in the relationship. But I am responsible to start with me. Forgiveness depends upon me. Reconciliation depends upon we. Forgiveness and trust are two different issues. Forgiveness is something that that can be extended in a moment. But it may be, particularly in severely broken trust, trust has to be rebuilt over time. But it has to start with a forgiveness. A forgiveness that is empowered and enabled by recognizing and relying upon how much God has forgiven me. Now, at this point, you may be thinking, Jeff, wow, there is like nothing new in there, dude. I mean, what's up with that? It's socks. It's putting the socks on and making sure they're smooth. It doesn't change every season. It's not flashy. It won't even necessarily get a headline. But it is transformational when we continually practice these little things. Howard Markman is a a professor and a researcher out of the University of Denver in the area of psychology. And he's writing particularly about relationships and marriage relationships. And he said that, that people have a tendency to think that it's always the other person that needs to change. And says, uh, but we can't change other people. We know that. But we can control what we do. And here's his observations. The breakthrough, says Professor Markham, comes when we realize that by making even small changes in ourselves, we can affect big, positive changes. When you think about the relationships of your life, Most of us, our default position is to say, if they would just, if they would just start doing this, if they would quit doing this, if they would just this, if they would just that, that's not the place to start. There may be some legitimate things to address and address in the right way, but the place to start is in here. The place to start is with the 1 Corinthians 13 kind of love. The first place to start is with the little things. How's my courtesy quotient is there a little more rudeness or a little more courtesy have I been operating as a servant or as someone who's going to get his or her rights no matter what how's my anger being dealt with am I retreating to silence or violence Or am I keeping my cool and allowing God to teach me how to respond and not just react and retaliate? And have I really been keeping score? Do I pull that out from time to time? Or am I releasing that hurt and pain and loss to God? Am I forgiving as Christ has forgiven me? Now part of you may be thinking, okay, I know all that. The other part may be thinking, I can't do that. (laughs) 
I, I, I can do it for a while. I, I kind of get motivated. I'm going to commit and I get powered up. But boy, to consistently love like that, I don't know if I can do. Well, I've got good news for you. Consistently loving in this way is not just difficult. It is impossible. It is impossible to do in your flesh. It is impossible to do in your own strength. In order to love with a 1 Corinthians 13 kind of love, in order to love in this way, I need the supernatural activity of God. I need God's love at work in me. And the good news is that those things, those people, those situations, those circumstances that seem impossible with men are still possible with God. Uh, that, 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 that mess, that relational mess, that hurt, that pain, that, all of that stuff, it seems impossible with men, but it's possible. It's possible with God that God can do through you more than you thought you could do in yourself. Because, as Paul said to the Romans, God's done something in us. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. What has God done? In grace through Jesus Christ, he has poured out his love into our lives. He has indwelt us and sealed us with his Holy Spirit. So I don't have to just love with a human love. I don't have to just love in my strength, but I can love with his love, his love overflowing through me, his Holy Spirit sitting on the throne of my life, controlling the way I respond and react and forgive and speak and act. His love poured out through me. That's what God calls us to do. And so the, the, the simple challenge of this message is to think about just four things from 1 Corinthians 13, 5. And think about some of the significant relationships in your life. Maybe a family relationship, maybe a friendship, maybe a work relationship. I, you think about that significant relationships, and just simply, will you Will you allow God to love others through you in this way? Will you allow God to love others through you in this way? That kind of love is transformational. I began this morning talking about John Wooden. I want to I bring Coach Wooden back one more time. One of his... I mean, he impacted so many, many lives. and Many have written about his impact on their life. Coach Wooden died a few years ago at the age of, of 99. But one of his friends was writing just a few years before his death when Coach Wooden was approaching 90 uh, about his love, particularly his love for his spouse. And let, let me just let his words tell the story. Wooden is almost... 90 now but on the 21st of the month the best man I know will do what he always does on the 21st of the month he'll sit down and he'll pin a love letter to his best girl he'll say how much he misses her and loves her and can't wait to see her again and then he'll fold it once slide it into a little envelope and walk into his bedroom 
And he'll go to the stack of love letters sitting there on her pillow, and he'll untie the yellow ribbon and place the new one on top and tie the ribbon again. The stack will be 180 letters high then because the 21st will be 15 years to the day since Nellie, his beloved wife of 53 years, died. And in her memory, he sleeps on only his half of the bed, only on his pillow, only on top of the sheets, never between, with just the old bedspread they shared to keep him warm. You see, that's coach's kind of everlasting love. One of the distinguishing marks of followers of Jesus Christ was to be their love that people would see how we love and that would cause them to wonder how can they love in that way old hymn picked up on that years ago and they'll know we are Christians by our love by our love and so I ask you on this Valentine's Day who are the significant people in your life what are the significant relationships And will you allow God to love others through you in this way? Let's bow our heads together as we pray, please. Father, we do thank you for your love. The more we understand of it, the more amazed we are by it. Father, I I just pray, Lord, that there would not be a person in this room today who would not personally know your love, that you would truly pour out your love into our lives and that you would pour out your love through our lives into the lives of others. And Father, I just just ask, Lord, that you would just, even now, just, just, Lord, show us first how we have responded to you and to your love for us. Lord, Show us how you want to love others through us. Lord, will you just so move in us that we would be a conduit, a conduit of your love and your grace into the lives of others. As you just continue to sit before the Lord right now, I'm going to direct your attention just in a posture, in an attitude of prayer to the section in your note-taking guide that talks about making it personal. The so what section. As we hear the the what of God's word, the question is, so what are we going to do in response? Personally, what am I going to do? And I'm just again going to ask you to just review those questions. I hope you'll review them not just for a few moments on Sunday morning, but it might be something that, that you would leverage even the rest of this week to drive home these truths into your practice. But just to spend a few moments and think about the significant people in your life. Who are they? Maybe this week you just need to figure out a way to let them know how significant they are. Maybe a conversation, a phone call, an email, a a note. As you think about those relationships, what would those closest to you say about your courtesy quotient? 
Is there something that God might be prompting you to to tweak, to change, to improve? What would those closest to you say about your serving? What does it practically look like for you to lay down your rights? To serve the significant people in your life? What might they say about how you handle and express your anger? Are there some steps you need to take to deal with your anger in a more appropriate, productive, Christ-honoring way? there's somebody that you need to reach out to for help and support and maybe as you think about the relationships in your life God's just surfacing something that needs to be cleared up or cleaned up maybe there's a score you've been keeping and even thinking about settling that you just need to release to the Lord today Maybe there's someone that, even in these moments, God's bringing to your mind the way that you have hurt them. And you need to step out and seek reconciliation, restoration, forgiveness. Very practically, what does that look like for you? As you just continue to sit before the Lord, I I am going to encourage you whether it's right there just in that space right below those questions, maybe you just need to write out a, a word, a phrase, a sentence, just, just as an act of saying, God, this is my next step. This is how I make this personal for me this week. This is how it applies to me and the relationships in my life. Which would you just, just as an act of saying, God, I want to I solidify that, would you write that down? And if you would like us to pray for you in that please feel free to write that on a connect card and drop that in one of the the holders uh, on the walls by the exits today but as you continue to just respond to that i also want to speak to a few others in the room for some of you here god has you here on this valentine's day to remind you to talk to you about his love for you and today is the day when he is calling you to turn to turn from self, to turn from sin, and to turn and place your faith and trust in Him, to receive His love, the love that was manifest in Jesus Christ as He went to the cross for you. And today is the day when He not only extends to you forgiveness and life and healing, but He he invites you to accept it through repentance and faith. And I'm just going to ask you, before you leave this room today, I'm going to invite you to make your way to the connect room in the back of our worship space. And you can even slide out even now or as we stand in a moment and sing or right after the close of our service. We have a team of folks that's there and they would be delighted to tell you more about the love that God has for you in Jesus Christ. Maybe you just need somebody to pray with you about a relationship or a situation today. This team is there to serve you. Maybe you have questions or are ready to take the next step of baptism or church membership. And the connect room is the place to make all those things happen. And so I'm just going to encourage you before you leave this room, make your way to the connect room today. As we just continue to respond to our God together, I'm, I'm just going to...